Welcome back, everyone. This is episode two of the Footy Pod. Today, I'm very excited about the guest that I have uh, with me today. He's someone that I hold in very high regard. Uh, he's been working with me for about two years now, so he's an employee, but also a colleague, a coworker, a business partner, and a friend. And he's someone that you know I've developed a really close relationship over the last couple of years. We actually went to the same university at different times, but there was a level of trust that had already been established between us through mutual connections, and that's really what I've built this company on, is a foundation of trust. And so he's just come in and embodied everything that we're looking for, and not only our employees, but everyone that, that surrounds our company as a whole. So without further ado, Mr. Evan Bozeman, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. <laughs> hey guys, my name is Evan Bozeman, and thank you, Sean, for letting me be the, the first guest on the footy pod. I feel honored. Of course, man. This is going to be a lot of fun today. So um, it's just you and I. We're sitting here at, at a little table in our hotel room in Arkansas, <laughs> about to have some games with our youth teams tomorrow. Um, we set up some friendlies for them, and then we also have a, a game ourselves for our FF Premier team tomorrow night. So we just had a little free time, and we figured we'd uh, kill some of that time by recording our first episode together here. So First of many, hopefully. Yeah, first of many. Hopefully I get better as each one goes. So. Hey, we're, we're both just trying <laughs> to grow, man. That's what this, this whole thing is all about. So why don't you just get us started by kind of sharing your story and, and how you got to, to where you are. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so as you guys know, I'm Evan Bozeman. I've been working here for about two years at Footy Factory now. And um, yeah, it just kind of came on at first. I was just graduated college back in 2017 and uh, I was still playing. I'm still playing now, but... I was pursuing the professional dream pretty pretty hard, and so I was looking for a job that I thought at first would just give me some, I'll say it straight up, I was looking to make some money at first, and then I was trying to find something that was flexible enough to where I was able to do both, and so I remember Pat got in contact with you about me saying I was coming back, and so you gave me a call and came and checked it out, and then after, I think it was maybe a week or two later, I was out there following you along, coaching, and then been learning ever since, so. Hey, and he's been rock solid ever since, like, we, he's been, you know, my right-hand man from the beginning, and uh, we've just continued to develop a closer bond and, and built a stronger working relationship, but also a personal relationship, too, and, and, um, you know, that's what I've created this whole organization for, is to, bring like-minded people together and it was just kind of natural that that this all worked out so you know super grateful for having you in my life a part of what we're trying to do and and you know I just want to obviously I know a lot about you you know but I want you to kind of share your story your trials and tribulations with the world so that we can continue to spread this message that we're trying to put out there so just take us back a little bit further. Like, you grew up in Dallas. Yeah, so I was born same in, with me. Yeah, same as you. Born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Um, to mom and dad who loved me very much and were always there. Great family and great home environment from ever since I can remember. So they got me um, involved in the sports pretty early, along with a bunch of other things, mainly just church, school, and sports, kind of like all the other kids. And so I started out 
just in the local rec leagues, kind of like everybody else, playing, you know, trying everything out. So started with soccer, and then it went to to t-ball, and then tried to play basketball, but definitely. I, I, <laughs> no. I've seen this man shot. He got a broke shot. Let me tell you what, just putting up bricks. So yeah, definitely realized that wasn't the sport for me at a young age, but. Yes, I mean, they were very supportive, and I think that they knew from a very young age that um, that soccer was probably the one I was going to stick with. But it's interesting because my mom and dad never really played any sports growing up. My mom um, was born in a military family, so she was born in Germany, and then was born and raised in Killeen. And then my dad was born and raised in Wichita Falls, and he's a professional musician. And so there was a trumpet player. Trombone, sorry, trombone. <laughs> Don Bozeman would be so disappointed in Should me right seen now. the look I gave him. Yeah. I corrected myself before he could. So. Yeah, so, Don, if you're listening, I apologize. Yeah, so, yeah, like no real athletic side in the family, but just, just kind of just picked it up, kind of liked it. So, yeah, I remember I played kind of YMCA at first and then was mainly doing that for a little while. Met some good people through that. Some of my best friends now was playing with them and uh some of their parents that were just kind of coaching it locally and yeah I mean it was doing that and then they kind of got me involved with uh Cub Scouts at the time so I was doing that and that trying to stay busy and then yeah probably around I would say kind of like fifth or sixth grade is when it kind of gotten really got really serious but at that age my parents were kind of skeptical about the whole club scene kind of like most other parents are nowadays and just about the whole commitment level and obviously hear the horror stories about kids burning out and kind of all that stuff so that at that early age when a bunch of kids normally go to select and they go to the next level to develop more I was kind of one of the ones that just kind of I guess got kind of stuck in the mud stuck in the area of of Wrigley which isn't bad at any means it's by any means it's just as you know, that's not where you're going to develop the most as a player at a young age. And so just the quality of the coaching, you know, and, yeah. and the opportunities are just not there yeah, yeah. in in the recreational mm-hmm. scene. We all know that. Yeah, One practice a week and then, you know, some of the kids don't even go to the games and kind of just yelling at the sidelines and stuff like that. Not really any core coaching. So uh, it wasn't anything like that. And um, yeah, my, so my dad being a professional musician, I was kind of, uh, he kind of pushed me in the direction of music a little bit and... Something I found out later, but I'll just go on right now. I um, basically picked up the trumpet my sixth grade year, and so I was playing that pretty serious. So I was doing that, and then I was also doing rec at the time. And um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty, I was getting really good at the trumpet. And I think that one thing that helped that is that my dad was kind of pushing me, but also like I kind of wanted to like make him proud in a sense with just because he was a fantastic musician, went to got two degrees off of it and he's made a living off it and took care of us from day one so just kind of wanted to make him proud with that and so it got to the point where um I think my parents kind of began to realize that rec wasn't really doing it for me anymore whether it was like the level we were playing or just um them not seeing that I was being challenged enough so I remember uh, I was I would always go to these UTD camps and they took me to one my it was like my sixth grade year and then my seventh grade year and then uh my last year that I went to it, there was a coach there who kind of like pulled my dad aside the last day and um was basically just telling him like, Yeah, we need to get him on a team, like he needs to be on a club team, he needs to be learning, he needs to be developing because he has a l- enormous potential but it's not gonna go anywhere if he doesn't do anything. So thanks to Mr. Antonis, he was able to get me a tryout with uh Dallas Texans my eighth grade year. And so 
I was really lucky on that because I went from wreck, just got straight thrown into just Division One Classic League, and so that was probably that was a big wake up call there. But that was uh, I think that's when like I began to love it even more, and that's when kind of like the love for the music faded, mm-hmm. type of thing. And so that was a big challenge at first, like just kind of getting thrown in there, not really knowing what to expect, not really knowing the level. So used to just playing all the time in rec, you show up to this and you don't you never know if you're gonna play. It costs a good amount of money. Luckily we got some scholarship, but it costs a good amount of money, so you don't wanna just be wasting your time out there. Sure. And so I think that's when it kinda hit me that oh like you know, like yeah, this is fun and all that, but you kinda gotta fight for the right to play and everyone here is serious. Everyone here is dedicated. And most of these boys have been doing it longer than I have. And so once I kind of got into that was when I started really taking it seriously. And then I think one of the harder decisions I made was my my ninth grade year. No, I was in ninth grade. So I was still I was still playing band and I was still playing soccer at the time. Still kind of on the same club team. But it got to my... Just making that transition. Yeah, you know? so I remember it got to my... Skipping a couple of years. But it got to my 10th grade year, leading into junior year. No, it took a big jump, but... <laughs> Uh, basically had to just kind of decide right then and there, like, is this really what I want to do with the band thing? And so I think one reason why I was struggling with it so much is because I was just, I was so caught up in this idea that my dad wanted me to, he wanted me like this to be my path. And I never really asked him about it because I guess I was scared about it. But then whenever I ended up quitting, I thought he was going to be really mad, but he was actually like the opposite. Like he was like, oh, like I had more fun watching you play soccer anyway type of thing. It's funny you mention that because you recently told me how, you know, you want to get a trombone tattoo to mm. to honor your dad and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he automatically without you saying anything, what did he say? He said, you know, you don't have to do yeah, that. Yeah, he's for like me. you don't have to do it, but if you did, I'd have, I wouldn't be mad about it. So. Right. So it it you know, that that's interesting that you kind of bring that full circle here that mm. you know, clearly you you had a good wholesome childhood you know yeah, I mean, you, I had the you, best parents in the world that and and you really wanted to make them proud which mm-hmm. is awesome like that's yeah that's you know definitely something that that should provide you mm-hmm. with motivation that you need to be the best you can be at something mm-hmm. yeah so you know you got into the club scene a little bit earlier than I did mm-hmm. um, but we both kind of our our stories kind of then came together in a sense in that we were both playing at a high level of club soccer yeah. right away. Mm. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so the year might be wrong, but I believed it was my seventh grade year and just kind of getting thrown into that. Yeah, it was like, I loved it. It was exciting. It was definitely a wake-up call because you go from kind of like the same thing you said on the first podcast. It's just like you're so used to being the top player at a certain level and you just think it's all going good, all going good, you're just killing it and then you get to this next level and you're like, oh man, I'm not, I'm like now a small fish in a big sea. It's Mm -hmm. like I'm not as good as I thought I was and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing that, I think I kind of like that. I like the challenge of it and I think mainly I just liked how intense it was and how like you just had these coaches that were there and obviously the coaches are making the money full, most of them are doing it full time and might have a little side job, but they're they're not there for the money. They're there because they really like it and they really want to see these kids develop as opposed to being in the rec scene. It's mainly it's just, oh, they just kinda of needed a coach. And I mean we had a we had a cool coach when I was in rec. He didn't he didn't have any sons on the team or anything. He was just a local guy who really liked soccer and just wanted to help out. 
So, I mean, that guy was great, but there does come a point where you have to have someone that's pushing you and that knows what they're talking about and they, like, have a track record of helping these kids on teams get better and better and better and kind of helping you like that. You know, that is debatable, though. <laughs> like, there are a lot of club coaches that yeah, yeah, yeah. are doing it for a check. Yeah. And you see them with four, five, six teams under their belt. They can't possibly give them all the attention that they need to bring the most out in mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But they have no problem taking on that many teams because it means more money in their pocket. Yeah. So... How did you feel about your coach? Did you think that he genuinely provided you a real opportunity to uh, opportunity to be the best that you could be? Yeah, I think my first coach did because he, um, Keith Hodder, he was kind of like an older English guy, and he um, he only had two teams. He had my team, and then he had a '93 team that one of my like good friends from college played on, Conrad. And so he only had those two teams, and he was just real dedicated. Like, I mean, he was real, he was real honest with the players. He was real honest with our parents. And so I remember even coming in, he was like, like, obviously like one thing that probably my strongest asset is my speed. And so imagine me now, but imagine me then it's like the speeds there, but there was, it's my touch isn't the best now, but if you think it's not, you think it's not the best now, you should have seen me back then. It was awful. Like, just the whole. You and I are complete contrast players. <laughs> like, I'm the more creative yeah. midfielder. You're just give me the ball in space. I will run past you. I will put a body on you. Yeah, I will get yeah. crosses in. I will be noticed on the field yeah, yeah. for sure. And so I think that was. I mean, yeah, because I mean, I think one thing that he would always tell my parents is that he's like, you can't teach speed. And he was like, with that being said, that's not the only thing that he that's going to make him a good player, make him successful. He has to be good at these other type, these other areas on the field. And so my parents like really like caught on to that and they talked to me about it and they were just like, look, like if it's something you want to do, you have to make sure that you're working at it and it's not always going to be fun and it's going to take a lot of hours. And I remember one thing that helped was whenever my dad was a professional musician. So he like, like does what he loves for a living. And so he would always tell me about like the countless hours he would practice at, in college or before college or even after college and just how much work it took him. So I always kind of had an idea of how much work you really needed to put in to be successful at something. Even if you love it, it's not just going to happen for you. Like you have to be willing to put in the work and willing to grind it out. And so, yeah, I'd say he helped me a lot. I mean, he was obviously I came in and wasn't really playing much and then, but he would spend the time to work with me. He would help me train and he even got me hooked up with um, doing little personal lessons with, with Abdul still around doing good stuff today. And I would, I remember that helped me a lot because that was, because like you said, it's um, being in practice, it's hard for coaches, even if you have two teams, it's hard for a coach to just focus on one person the whole time. So you have, you have like 13 to 18 boys on your roster and you got to make sure at practice everything's doing the right thing. And then you obviously tell the players they need work, but unless they're going to get that work or they're doing it at home, there's only so much you can do as a coach. And so lucky enough, my parents, you know, were whether my dad was playing extra gigs or whatnot, uh, they they got me into private training, and that's one thing that I think really helped help my touch out and helped me get like a more understanding of the game, kind of thing like that. And so, I remember we were up with I was on that team with a good group of guys up until my sophomore year, and that was kind of right around the time whenever academy became a big thing. Uh-huh. And so, our t- I was probably on the second <laughs> or third Texans team at that age, and then I remember all the kids that were on the red team ended up going up to academy. And so they had just a full team available for players to come on. And so 
I just remember there was like a tryout and it was like three, four Texans teams all there, just all like trying out in front of all like the coaches, whether it was like Hassan, Ahmed, all these guys. And they were just literally just picking a roster. So they were just picking, basically reassigning the teams based on the level. Mm-hmm. And so I remember eating with my dad before and I was like super nervous and he was just telling me like, oh, like, you know, you've been working at this, like, you got this, just believe in yourself. You did all this hard work. I mean, you made the jump before, so you're prepared. I mean, if you don't get on that one, you can always work your way up. And so lucky enough, I was able to get on that top team. So I went from, you know, a good level Texas team to then the one that's right under DA. And so we would, like, kind of train against them sometimes, scrimmage and stuff. And so that was that was really when it felt like that the sport that I loved for so long was actually starting to kind of, like, give it back because I was mm-hmm. – you know, I mean, it's obvious everyone likes to be noticed and you like to feel love from other people. And that was that was nice knowing that I was on, like, a really high-level team. For sure. And so I remember one of the reasons I helped it is because there were me and a couple other kids who were all kind of similar players. And Keith, like, really put in a strong word for me to get in on this one. And I remember the first time me and my parents met, oh, man, that was one of the things he mentioned was that, like, it was kind of a tough decision. But based upon the words of this coach, it kind of put me, you know, set me a little apart. So... Yeah, I mean, I thank him for that and just glad that, like, he noticed the work ethic and everything that was there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it always feels good to get that external validation. Yeah. Always. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to what I was talking about in the last episode, like, it felt great for me to receive all district, all state, offensive player of the year honors to be accepted into, you know, West Texas A&M, which was a high-level program. Those things felt great, but looking back on them, they, to me, were not really what success means. And so, was that the top for you? Like, was that the pinnacle, or did you feel like you had more to achieve? I felt like I had more to achieve. I mean, I think there was a time, like, one thing that, I kind of struggle with is I kind of get I can get kind of content with things and if things are going good I'm just kind of sometimes going to coast mode I know you've had to get on me about that a couple of times but I mean it's true I mean obviously like when you hear like words of encouragement or you get like a nice pat on the back it it can it affects people in different ways and I mean I think at that age it was I don't think it affected me in a negative way I mean it was good it definitely helped me out and I mean then getting onto that being able to be on that top team was whenever um you know, you start to play in the more better tournaments, whether it's, like, just Disney or there's Dallas Cup, and you start to get more looks like that. And so I wouldn't say that was the top for me. I'd say that was definitely near it because that was definitely a good – I can remember that moment to this day because it was just so – sure. Yeah, it meant so much it to me. It sticks out to you. Yeah, And I remember those moments the same way. Yeah. But from my standpoint, looking back in hindsight now – I know that that was not really what success is because I know that I had much more potential than what I actually achieved. And so that was the frustrating thing for me is that I knew I wanted to be more, but not only did I not have the encouragement and the support to, to, to pursue it, but then I also didn't have the platform and the guidance to do Mm -hmm. it. And, and so you know, I didn't know where to go from there. And I just wish that I had then the, the knowledge and the information that I had now about what it truly means to be successful. Yeah. So you, that was your senior year. That was my, so I got bumped up on that team my junior year. And so that was kind of when the whole like college recruiting process thing kind of starts. And obviously being like a high level team and 
just what you're fed so much as like an athlete that's like on, like on a good team in a good area in a good league, blah blah blah. You're just so focused on just D one, D one, D one. Because I always knew college was going to be the next step for me. Like I, I knew I wanted to go to school. Knew my for parents, American soccer yeah, players, yeah. that's really the only option. There's no other. You know, yeah. now things are starting to open mm-hmm. up. Yeah. But at that time, it's like, what else do you do? You go play college soccer. Yeah. And so just kind of looking around there, and I remember um, just applying, like, to just a whole bunch of different schools, and I would, like, go to some camps and stuff, went to, like, a Wake Forest camp. Like, some camps that, like, didn't really have any business going to, but, like, my, I remember my grandpa would help me out, like, help my parents out in the funny and stuff, and all those tournaments were really cool because they were, like, or those camps because there would be, like, a bunch of different coaches there. And so I remember I went to one that was uh, – it might have been at the University of Dallas, but it was one of those camps where it has a bunch of coaches there. And so this would have been my junior year. And so went to that. And when I was there, lucky enough, I was able to play in front of um, a couple schools that I almost ended up going to. So there was there was Holy Cross and there was um, Midwestern State. And I remember I took my first official visit was to Holy Cross. And it's like a real small school up in Boston and I remember specifically it was real hard considering that one because I had one of like the lowest acceptance rates in the nation uh, and so I remember I went to visit there and then I went to visit Midwestern and they both really wanted me and I think just thinking back to the D1 side of it I was like oh I want to go to Holy Cross so I remember I put all my eggs in that basket told some other coaches like oh no I'm going here and then I remember I got a letter in the mail saying that I didn't get into the school <laughs> and so even with them helping me, I still didn't get in. And, like, I mean, I didn't even have b- bad grades in high school. I was National Honor Society. I was, like, top 10%, like, well above a 3.5. It just wasn't good enough to get into the school. And we were talking to the coach, and he was like, yeah, like, there's nothing we can do. Like, we'd love to have you here, but it's just you're not going to be able to come here at least for, like, a couple years until you get your grades up. But just we don't want you to just kind of bank on that. Just do what's best for you. Like, we'll put a good word in for you to any other schools you want to go to that type of thing and so from there that was man that was late that was like middle of my senior year in high school and so you go from thinking you're going to this school getting it all lined yeah. up basically about to start applying for like housing and all that stuff or even that might I be too early but I didn't expect that at all like you thought you were like of all things you were probably just hoping that you would be able to make the team right yeah yeah, yeah. like academics mm-hmm. weren't even a concern yeah, yeah, for yeah. you because it's so you know what I'm hearing from you is that the, the soccer side was lined up and mm-hmm. you weren't even thinking that, you know, the academics would be an issue. So that mm-hmm. must have blindsided you completely. Yeah, that one hurt. That one hurt a lot. Because, I mean, I knew in the back of my head, even talking to my parents, I knew that that was going to kind of be a harder option to get into just because of how difficult it is to get in. But even then, like with the coach talking to us, everything seemed like it would have been fine. So that was a big blindside. I mean, probably better... If, better off me not going there like, I mean I remember I went on my visit and it was they said it was one of the warmer days up there and it was one of the coldest days I've ever experienced yeah, like, can't, it's just, can't, can't do those temps man Boston can't is, do those temps can't do that and so yeah from there it kind of spiraled out and I remember I went on it was funny man it was like I think it was like a two week period where it was just me and my dad hitting like we would just make a week out of it we just hit like school after school after school and so road tripping huh yeah yeah so I remember I was talking to some schools but it was kind of like UTBB and then we went on like a trip to eastern New Mexico before I went to on my visit to WT and so we went up to um Eastern and the coach liked me a lot and like offered me like a really good scholarship on the spot and so then we went to WT and Butch was there and he was like yeah like we want you here but we don't have any money right now but then 
obviously WT and Midwest are notorious schools for being good schools, but they are very, very cheap. Mm-hmm. And so that was in the back of my mind. Like, oh, I mean, even if I don't get scholarship here, like, I could still, like, my grandparents and my parents, like, helped me kind of set up for success, which was something right. that, I wouldn't even say set up for success, but they, like, set me up to be with the Texas Tomorrow Plan and all that stuff where I was financially stable to go to these universities, whether if it was in Texas. And so... The Eastern New Mexico thing kind of fell through because they had one of their big players kind of like broke his leg and said he needed to bring another center back in. So remember, Harold Coleman, he was just like, yeah, we don't have any money for you. So, I mean, we understand if you don't want to come here, we'll get it in a year. But, you know, that's just being honest with you. Like, we'll get it for you when you can. And so from there, it really just came down to what school looks the best to me and what program did have like the right program academically for me did the did the team seem nice do I think I'm going to fit into the system how do I like the coaches all that type of thing and so I remember uh basically call my big bro but Conrad um he played for Keith's older team growing up and your Keith's 93 team so I remember whenever I was training with Keith way back in the day if I would miss a practice I would go train with his team and so I remember I always looked at Conrad as kind of like this guy that like I really loved the way he played and all this stuff and so I had no idea he was at WT, but when I got on the visit and I saw him there, he just really kind of took me under his wing, and I thought that was really nice of him. And then all the guys were nice and liked the coaches and stuff. And so then it just felt like home. It yeah, felt like, felt, it felt right. It felt comfortable being there. Yeah, and so then, yes, that's basically what led me to WT. So, I mean, I had, you know, other schools that I was looking at. Like, I even, even got lucky enough at one point, don't know how it would have worked out playing-wise, but uh, somehow the, the, the Michigan State coach – liked me and the only reason I even looked at that was just because it was my dad's alma mater right but then that was kind of the same thing where like that's one of those big schools where like they're only you're only they only give the money to like the kids that are like national team level mm-hmm. and he was like look like you'll be a walk-on but we have a spot for you type of thing but out of state big college like that even having some money set aside that's not that's just not a smart option sure and so I think my parents as much as my dad would have liked me to be a spot and he kind of kind of pushed me out of that direction but yeah. yes I mean basically yeah WT fell in there and then yeah, I mean, loved it. <laughs> you made an educated decision. Yeah, educated decision. It was it wasn't easy, but you know, educated decision. So. For sure. Mm-hmm. So you know, let's let's go ahead and and start there. Then, like you and I both went to the same university. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated in '09. You came in in. Oh, sorry. I started in '09. Graduated May 2013. You came in August 2013. Yeah. So we missed each other. We didn't actually go to school together. Just missed each other. But we knew each other. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of mutual friends. Mm -hmm. You and I had very, very different experiences at WC. Yeah, very different. So just start from the beginning. Tell us how, you know, your first year went and and how it progressed from there. Yeah, so my first year was um, was definitely a bit harder than most. I mean, it was very very weird because it was, you know, you're kind of going from like we talked before, you're going from high school and you're playing and like doing really well and didn't I didn't I didn't really have the best high school career. Definitely didn't get like as many honors as you did or scored as many goals. But I you know, I had a good little high school career and I was playing well and then even in club, like I was always probably one of the better players and so I think just going into college I was really expecting to like, you know, make a mark just instantly. And what I didn't realize is that more often than not, uh most players get redshirted or most players end up not playing at all. And so for me, what happened was um, we had a bunch of people come in that class. And since I committed so late and they didn't have any money, I was considered a walk-on. And so kind of got there and we went through the preseason, you know, and they're kind of 
he's kind of getting rid of guys left and right, and you never know, like, oh, am I going to get in? Am I not going to get in? And kind of even, I would say the biggest wake-up call was just the first, like, trainings in preseason. Just because I would, we started off with, like, the mind, like, all these fitness tests, and obviously I was fine at those. Like, those weren't the problem. But then once you get, like, into the possession-based things and the tactical stuff and then the playing in real tight spaces and even just, like, the full-field MV11s, it's, like, all these things that I was doing at a youth level and in high school just weren't working. Well, a lot of times you're not even you're not even playing the game at the same like mental speed. Oh, not at all. It's just a much faster paced game, and you know, not to mention at WT where there's a lot of international players mm-hmm. coming in. Yeah, you're playing against grown men. Oh yeah. So you're coming in <laughs> as a 17, 18 year old kid. Yeah. And you have guys that are 25, 26 years mm-hmm. old that already yeah. have professional experience playing in Europe, South America, wherever. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's, it's a whole new level. Yeah. And so that was the biggest way of calling me was seeing these guys that were, cause I was pretty young for my grades. I mean, I turned 18 right when I got, right when I got there and it might've been actually, yeah, 18 right when I got there. And so like about even the guys that were like my age or like a little older than me were just like, it seemed like they were just miles ahead of me. Just in like, just in just being like technical side like finishing ability knowledge of the game and all this stuff and I kind of realized that and so throughout the rest of preseason I was kind of figured it might come that I might get cut and so yeah I mean I ended up getting the way the way he called it I think he called it that because the roster was kind of was kind of tight and it was kind of big and he definitely I'd like to think he had an idea for me in the picture which kind of seems out what happened but yeah I mean I basically got I got like a in quotation red shirt but it was more like a cut and so it basically went from playing all these like all these years growing up, playing soccer nonstop, to literally just now I'm just a student. So were you a part of the team at that point? Were you training? Were no, you... wasn't even training. I was doing. Um, I mean, we were we were able to use kind of the weight room and stuff like that, and we trained with them towards the very end of that semester. But there was a a gap of it where it wasn't like they would go to practice and they would do the weights and they would have the games and stuff and I would just be in the stands. Right. And so I mean lucky enough I was I was there with one of my other good friends and he was he was in the same situation as me. He was a really good player. His was more of like an injury issue, but so I mean like luckily I had someone else that to kind of lean on and we kind of got through it together. But yeah, I mean that was just the biggest way. I remember being in the in his office. I was like I think I was the last one to get cut. And so for like say the roster was like 32, I think it was like the 33rd. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I remember calling my dad and just telling him and like I honestly just cried on the phone and he even cried on the phone he was just like oh we'll get through it blah blah blah. and then my dad even came up the next weekend just to make sure I was doing good and I didn't know that he was doing it but he ended up calling Butch himself and like didn't wasn't like a like an angry typical or angry American parent like yelling at him he was just like look like I heard what happened I understand what happened I just want to talk to you and make sure that like we're on the same page what he's telling me is what you told him and kind of like things so he can just make a good decision for his future because he was kind of thinking, like, if he doesn't, if he's not ever going to have a career here, then there's really no sense in him, you know, going here unless he really just wants to focus on school. And so I remember Butch kind of made it clear to him that, like, no, nah, he is going to be a part of this team eventually if he works for it. But it was one of the harder cuts he had to make and that he just thought that I definitely needed to stick around. And so, yeah, it was a really hard semester. I mean, I was able to, because I was only taking 12 hours because I was ready to be playing soccer. And so I was just kind of, I mean, it was, I would still be around all the guys, like, on the weekends and stuff, and, like, I mean, I still lived with a soccer player, and 
would always do everything with them, but it was it was there was obviously a clear difference. It's like I was with them all the time, but then they would go out to practice and I wouldn't, or they mm-hmm. would do weights or they'd be on away trips and I wouldn't go. Right. And so um, I remember one of my best friends who worked obviously worked with us for a while, Pat Patrick's Tory, Australian goalkeeper. He um, was in a weird boat because he wasn't he was on the team, but he couldn't play that season. So whenever they had away trips, he would stay with me or he would stay. And so I think that really helped as well because I think I had a good two or three guys that I could really like lean on that we were all kind of in this similar situation in a sense. And so I think that kind of helped me stay sane mm-hmm. and helped me like keep my like mind focused on the goal and just didn't get sucked into just the major like college party lifestyle and all that stuff because I had a clear vision that like, no, I'm going to make it on this team eventually. Yeah. So once the spring hit, um, you know, once the spring hit, I was kind of just thrown right back in. And so then I got to train with the guys again and, um, I was still I was still a ways behind him, but I, mean, I got to train with the guys, and that was nice. Got to play a couple of spring games, and um, then once the next year came around, is when kind of kind of things started to change. So that would have been like my my actual freshman year. He's redshirt freshman year, but actual one. And so I had lucky. I was so I was a young young for my age in club. So that summer when I went back, I was able to play with a bunch of the academy guys on. Um, the 96 team that was still able to play state cup. And so I still had like a summer where I got to play with those guys. And I remember Butch came out and watched. And even after that, like we ended up going to regionals, all this stuff. And so I think that being able to go back with guys my age and be playing well and just really loving the game again and remembering like that, oh, you know, I am good at this. Like, I mean, I know I'm not where playing I need with the smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. Like I know I'm not where I need to be yet, but I know I'm getting there. And so, yeah, I mean, that helped. And then coming in, I mean, it was, I mean, my first two years, even playing, were still kind of rough. Like, I mean, I was there at practice, kind of working hard all the time. And, you know, Butch would talk to me and stuff, and the guys would all be, like, very, very helpful about things. But I still wasn't the level enough. So, I mean, I think my first, that season, I didn't play a lot. And then my sophomore season, I really thought I was going to end up playing a lot. But uh, right before preseason, um, yeah, right before preseason, my shoulder popped out. And so... I missed the first two and a half weeks of preseason. And so that was coming after me having a real good summer, you know, having an all right spring with the guys thinking like, oh, you know, I'm going to come back in on this. But then I ended up having to wait again. And so then I remember I heard like, I think they were the trainer and then we're talking about maybe like another red shirt. And I was just like, no, nah, nah, no more red. Like, I don't want to deal with this again. I don't want to sit out another semester. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to get this going. Looking back on it now, maybe I should have, but you know, everything happens for a reason. But so, I mean, I came in that season, um, was playing all right, but still not a lot of minutes, like still like maybe 10 minutes each game, something kind of like that. But then that spring, I think, is when it really, really took off for me. That spring was where I scored some goals, played really well, and I definitely think I left a mark in the coaches' heads that that I'm someone that they're going to be able to trust from here on out. And so same thing, you know, played a little PDL over the summer, which was cool, got to stay fit, and then we got back for preseason, and – yeah, I mean, we came back, and it was, yeah, everything kind of changed. Like, that was whenever I would say, oh, I'm missing something. I forgot in that spring I uh, <laughs> tore my meniscus. <laughs> it's kind of weird. You forget all these things looking back on it. But, yeah, I mean, that was another thing I had to overcome, but that wasn't really anything too crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I came back came back from the injury, and then I wasn't really coming back and playing as good as I thought I was mm-hmm. going to, and so that season kind of started off slow as well. But then – Butch gave me 10 minutes, and unlike the first two years when I would kind of come in and would just kind of like kind of run around, not do much, I was actually 
showing them that I was actually learning these things and I was actually like making an impact. Making an impact, yeah. So that 10 minutes would turn to 15 and that 15 turned to 30. And then from there, it turned into starts. And so, you know, I started getting some starts under my belt and I really started actually helping the team and I started contributing. So I remember I got like a good amount of assists that season and some and probably a goal or two. And then, yeah, and that was when I really, for the first time, felt that like, you know, I overcame what happened my freshman year. So, I mean, that was when it kind of felt good to myself that, hey, you know, like I could have easily given up there, but the fact that I kept going, the fact that I worked hard, it's all starting to pay off. And so all those like doubts I had in my mind, you know, just questioning my own ability, questioning if I made the right decision, questioning if I should have stayed, that all kind of went out the window because the soccer was going good. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was... It's crazy how that happens, man. Like, yeah, you I love mean, something and you're doing well at it, it, it breeds confidence mm. in everything that you do exactly and so yeah I mean going into the senior year it was that was really exciting I mean, it was kind of see it was my the spring of the junior year was a cool moment but it was it was kind of weird how it happened so like we obviously had each team kind of has like two captains and so we had two captains in the spring and I remember like something happened with one of the captains so he lost his armband and something happened to another one and so I remember I got the call from Butch and he was just like yeah like do you want to like, we want you to be captain. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I was obviously, I was like, yeah, I'll ju- I jumped on of it. Of course. Of like, course, yeah, I jumped on it. no to that. Yeah, I jumped on it. And so I think that was probably the highlight of my whole career at WT was just kind of getting that. Because I went from went from go- going to the school on no money, got cut, and then kind of like around the sophomore year, I got some money, and it kind of like money kind of came each semester. And then that was really kind of icing on the cake was that like now I'm not – now, I'm not just a player on the field, but I'm someone that, like, not only the coach thinks that the players are certain, but most of the players did respect me. And, I mean, I was kind of like a, a glue guy in a sense. Like, I was really easy to get along with. I was I was always helpful with the younger players because, I mean, I kind of saw myself in them, you know. So, I made, yeah. like, a point to even the ones that kind of got cut or didn't really work out, I kind of made a point to just, like, kind of go and talk to those guys and kind of, like, let them know, like, that same thing happened to me. Even for the ones that weren't playing, I would even try and, you know, just talk to me like how much they need to just like cherish sounds like a really over exaggerated word but I mean it's kind of true it's like if you're not if you're doing this thing you love your whole life and then you suddenly don't get to do it for a little bit you know it's easy for someone who's in the opposite shoe where like they're used to playing but then they're just practicing they might be like oh I don't even want to practice but meanwhile you don't get you're, you're practicing but meanwhile there's other people who would kill to be in your situation there's guys that would be so good to get in play in college play at the next level but they don't have what you have or they didn't get the grades that you had and so you have this opportunity here, and so it's kind of selfish on you, and it's kind of wasteful if you're not taking it, sure. taking that opportunity. And so, yes, yeah, so then going into the senior season, we, um, yeah, I mean, I had a really good year. Um, the team didn't perform as well as we did my year before, but we were kind of right there knocking on the door of terms of, like, playoffs. And at that point, I think it had been the last year that our team went to playoffs was, I think, your last year. And so that was something that we always kind of wanted at. We were finally in a conference. And the year before, we got knocked out by St. Ed's, really unlucky with, like, a goal in the last 12 seconds. But then this year, we got uh, knocked out our um, in the quarterfinals of the Lone Star, or the Heartland Conference Tournament by St. Mary's. And so it was kind of a shock because we were the higher seed and just kind of thought all this stuff was going to happen. But then we ended up, like, losing that game. And so you go from, like, getting cut, getting on the roster, to playing a lot, captain, and then – it just seems like everything's going to keep going higher and higher and higher and then just kind of loose and then the whole kind of crashes down. crashes down and the whole career is over and then you got to start thinking about like well what am I going to do next and 
you still have like that semester there and it's yeah. just kind of like ah like dang this is this is crazy like you kind of lose the motivation to even finish up that last yeah yeah and so I mean, yeah lucky for me i was doing you know, it before you even go forward man that i don't want you to just like move past that without like really <laughs> understanding the gratitude of like that I mean, not gratitude, that's not the right word, the the significance of that moment, like, yeah. what you accomplished, like, that is an amazing story, man, mm-hmm. like, you literally went from getting cut your freshman year to becoming the team captain your senior year, like, mm-hmm. that's fantastic, yeah. and I couldn't think of a better, you know, success story in that situation, my experience was completely different, I went in, and you know didn't have any scholarship money but like you like it was a very cheap school Mm -hmm. and so with financial aid and and you know different grants I was able to make it work I really wasn't paying anything so it pretty much was like I got a scholarship and I go in and I get injured right away you know my body just wasn't able to handle that workload I I just hadn't been used to that three a days much less two a days or you know even one every day like (laughs) You know, in club, you're practicing, what, three times a week, maybe? Yeah, like even three. Sometimes two. it's two, and then yeah. a game on the weekend, and it's done. So it's it's not much at all. And, you know, like, other players that are coming in from overseas, like, they're training every day in professional academies. Like, they're already prepared for that. My body was not prepared for that. I pulled my hamstring immediately. And so that, obviously, like, was, you know, not, didn't work in my favor at all. I didn't get cut. I wasn't one of the ones that got cut that first year. But I also was not really a part of the team. I was a redshirt freshman. I was at every training session. I did everything. Um, But I was just kind of in limbo. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't really super involved. Mm -hmm. Then I come in in the spring. I play well. Like, every chance I get, I come in. And I actually, like, you know, make an impact in those minutes that I got. Yeah. I was noticeable in the game. And then I work hard all summer, all summer. I'm, I'm trying to get fit. And then I come in in the fall and do the same thing to my hamstring again. It's like, man, what what is happening right here? Like, you know, obviously something bigger <laughs> yeah. is at play, but I just don't get it. Like, I want this so bad. And I am just not being afforded the opportunities to do what I want to do. And at that point, you know, then that that sophomore year, spring, I performed well again in every opportunity I got. But then junior, then after that season, though, you know, I'm already actually, you know, going back to my freshman year, like I'm already kind of, you know, frustrated with the situation. I want to be playing like. That's super important to me to be playing. And so I'm already, like, you know, reaching out to other schools, seeing if I can set up, you know, tryouts or whatever. And, you know, word gets back to our assistant coach. So Omar pulls me aside one day, you know, at one of our spring sessions. He's like, yo, man, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> and um, I'm just like, well, do y'all want me or not? Like, you know, am I going to get a chance? Am I going to be able to, you know, actually play on this team eventually? And that was just after my freshman year. So, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, come back. Like, so they convinced me to stay. And, you know, fortunately, I pulled my hamstring again my sophomore year. I performed well again in the spring. But then junior year, they have new guys coming in. And I'm just kind of 
you know, obsolete at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was unfortunate. And, you know, I didn't get injured my junior year, but I also just didn't get any opportunities because there were guys ahead of me. And then senior year, I tore my meniscus. So that was just it for me. And yeah. so it was like, you know, I, I, I kept, you know, ha- get, getting these roadblocks put in front of me, whether that was through my own body just holding me back or whether that was through the coaches saying, you know, this is not your chance. This is yeah. not your opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I just refused to listen to that. I was like, I am not going to sit here and let someone else dictate my future. Like, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to, you know, get into this squad because I wanted to stay there. Like, after I decided not to transfer after my freshman year, there was no way I was leaving at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I, had, I had it set in my mind that I was going to get into the team. And so I came to every training session and I would just play angry. Like, yeah, it was almost like I was, like you know, just pissed off all the time. And and while that can be beneficial at times, like I think with my specific style of play, that's not very yeah, conducive not to a, a, a good performance level. And, and so, you know, it was just very fr- a frustrating time. And, you know, my passion for the game almost diminished entirely. Whereas you, you know, it, it started very low and it just mm-hmm. got better and better and better and better and you kept making the most of every situation and while I tried to do that nothing just ever came for me yeah. and so you know right away after college I knew what my calling was I knew what I had to do I had to create something that I never had and provide for the next generation what I wish I would have had growing up mm-hmm. so coming out of school then you know, you pretty much joined us right away. Yeah, I remember it was, um, yeah, I graduated December 2017, and so, yeah, I mean, I went to school for a criminal justice degree, and that was one of the things that got me to WT was, I remember whenever I went on my visit, uh, Butch had me meet Dr. Houston, which was the dean of criminal justice, and he was, like, the leader of it all, and I met him, and he just sold me. He was just the coolest guy, like, just lived and breathed what he talked, and so that was one reason why I went there, and so... Yeah, my last semester at WT uh, was funny because since I um, only took 12 hours at first semester, I was able to kind of stretch out my degree as opposed to getting my, my master's. And so all I had to do was get a – all I did was an internship last. So that's literally all I did my last semester. It was just like a, just a six-week internship. And so I remember there was – during the season, there was two weeks I went to dispatch for like eight hours a day, and then the rest of that was no school at all. And so it was literally just the last thing I did in college was just four weeks of ride-alongs with police departments. And so kind of had this idea in my head that, that, well, I either try and get in this now or I can find something else I can do in the meantime and then really try and pursue playing. And so a couple, I had a couple ideas in my head, but I remember I was, um, it was New Year's Eve and I remember I was, with, I was in Oklahoma and you called me and then you mentioned, um, Pat brought me up and then you kind of talking about coming on board coaching and it was something that really excited me because I mean obviously I love the game I didn't have much coaching experience other than help running camps and doing some private lessons in college which wasn't really much and then so yeah I remember I, like I checked it out and I liked it a lot I liked how you worked with the kids a lot I liked the passion that you had and kind of like I said at the beginning like at first it was really just a way for me to kind of make some money and then you know have the ability to still play but as it kind of grew on I learned that it wasn't 
it was definitely a lot more than the money. I mean, obviously, a lot of coaches will tell you that, especially at our level, because, I mean, the money's not quite there. And so you really start to do, even if you are spending more time than what you think you're getting paid, blah, 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 it's like you really start to just really like the kids and really like what you're doing and love the kids. And I remember, like, I would sit at home and plan sessions or I would ask you questions. I'd be watching lots of videos just because I really wanted to try and try and give these kids good sessions and stuff. And so I think me deciding foot, me, me joining footy factory at first was kind of just a way for me to kind of keep playing and kind of make some money. But then, I mean, then, I mean, still here two years later. So I mean, it <laughs> says still a lot here, about still here. Says a lot about it, but yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing that was joining because I mean, coaching provided a flexibility that I needed to try and focus on playing. And I mean, even still playing right now, even though I didn't quite reach where I wanted to, you know, I don't regret anything. And then, you know, I fell into coaching, and I mean, I love it a lot. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think um, I was most pleased with about you, most impressed by, is the fact that you you know you're just so eager to learn. Like, you obviously had not had much coaching experience up to that point, and you know, by the time you started, I was already. I mean, I had been coaching for at least five years at that point mm-hmm. already. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I had experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew how to run sessions. I knew how to plan sessions. And I knew at that point also how to teach coaches how to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you first came in, like, the you could tell, like, you knew what you were talking about, right? Just the delivery and the, the tone delivery, the, the energy wasn't always there, mm-hmm. um, but you were always accepting of my feedback, whether good or bad, and you didn't take anything personally. You just used it to get better, and and with every you know day, you improve your sessions. Like you'd come to training with the whole thing planned out. It wasn't just scribbled on a notebook. And it wasn't, you know, just thrown together last minute. Like, you clearly put thought into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And obviously now, you know, we're, you're at a point where you don't necessarily have to do that every day, but you still do mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. And that's fantastic, man. And it shows, like, you know, how seriously you take this, knowing that you, you know, still, like, the pay maybe doesn't match exactly what you're putting in Mm -hmm. it will eventually and you know that in fact it'll it'll you know exceed what you're putting in at some point because you're coming in at the ground level with us and really helping us build something special um but you know that was the one thing that impressed me the most so you know you've been with us for two years um you you wanted to join us to you know, continue staying involved in the game and it eventually grew into something much more than that that you were actually, like, invested into emotionally. What do you hope to achieve working with us down the line? Like, where do you see yourself within the club in five years, ten years, or however long? Yes, I mean, for me, I mean, I had a passion with soccer since day one and then even talking with you the past couple years, I still have a passion with criminal justice and so I want to see... I've kind of learned that there's opportunities in both fields where I'm able to, you know, be a part in both fields and still make a big impact in that. And so that's something that I kind of do. So, I mean, see myself in five, ten years at Footy Factory, I still want to be a part of it, still hope to be, you know, leading, like, being the academy director role, kind of really just trying to help other coaches that we bring on, kind of similar like how you helped me. 
and just hope like really starting teams from like the ground level that we can so we can really implement a philosophy in them and like a structure in them so that way as they grow up it's already there in place the system is there yeah. and all they have to do is follow those steps that we exactly so, i mean i think i just want to help us really just help us grow and help you know us get get the name out there because i mean even like like you know we have a good recognition in the area and then Regardless of wins or losses, I know for both of us, most of the teams we play, whether it's the coaches or the refs or some of the parents, will always kind of stop us and talk about how they think our kids are doing the right thing most of the time, how we're playing like a good style of soccer, even if it's not necessarily getting results right now. And I think that's something that really, that honestly, hearing stuff like that and seeing the kids, you know, really trying to implement the things you're teaching them, regardless of winning and losing, I think that is the much better feeling and that makes me feel successful with these boys is when I see them, you know, working hard and even if they mess up a couple of times, they're still trying and trying and trying these things. So I just want to see us as a club have teams on the guy on the girls' side and the guys' side and the training and it all be like it is now, but obviously just with a lot more people where we have all these different teams doing that same thing and they all you know, lead into one of another, and we just have this clear identity as a club. Like we know what we're doing, and we're not gonna, not gonna change for any reason. And I mean, I think that I think that if we continue what we're doing, I think we're gonna get there. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I see myself with it. Yeah, man, for yeah. sure. You know, and and that's what I see as well. Like w- the structure is in place, mm-hmm. what we're building, but f- for us to fill it out, for for it to grow. It's going to take a long time because what we're doing is not something that people necessarily understand. It's not something that's going to catch right away and immediately pop because it's not going to produce results immediately. Mm-hmm. This is for long-term success. This is for you know establishing a future for these players. And, and what people need to understand is that, first of all, we're in the business of developing individual players mm-hmm. to play at the highest level that they're possible that they're that they're possibly capable of playing at. And so with that in mind, we are teaching them a style of play that is not going to deliver wins consistently in the beginning. It takes time to develop this uh, system. But what people need to understand is that in order to develop the individual player, they have to learn the team game. And and with that said, the individuals are not going to go pro or play in college based on their team's success at 10, 12, 14 years old. No player has ever gone pro because their team won 10 trophies in a year when they were 11. Okay? That's just ridiculous to even think that. And it's, and, and it's crazy to me that people place so much emphasis on this at such an early age. We see these little clubs popping up all the time that just blow up because they win every trophy, every trophy in every age group every time they step on the field for a competition like they're doing this because they're putting all the best players together and so they're able to win games and it looks good to everyone on the outside so they 
they grow very quickly and very fast, but it's not sustainable. And they're not actually developing a foundation for that athlete to then go on and play at the highest level. Yeah, they're sick players. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Some sick players. But are they actually learning the game to be able to play at the next level? Mm-hmm. They can dominate every player that they play now because it's a game that can be won by one or two individual players. At the highest level, it doesn't matter if you're Lionel Messi. If you have a bunch of Phil Joneses around you, you're not going to win nothing, all right? Just bottom line, like, if you have ten Phil Joneses on the field and one Lionel Messi, you are not going to win a single trophy. So you have to be able to play within a team game. Mm -hmm. And... That's just the way it is. So, you know, it's going to take time. And we're willing to ride it all the way out. We're putting the pieces in place to complete the structure of what we built. And we eventually, like you said, want to continue to bring on coaches with the same mindset to allow us to... to to scale but keep that same culture and identity in place and so you're going to be a key part of that and so you know i'm really excited about what the next year two years five years ten years holds for us so as we wrap this up we're already getting up to an hour of just some solid conversation Um, but i just wanted to ask you a few questions before we finish so looking back you know, I'm sure I can probably answer this for you, but what are some of the biggest challenges you faced on your journey, and, and what did you have to kind of tell yourself? What kind of mindset did you need to overcome those challenges? Yes, I mean, I would say, I mean, pretty obvious based on what we've been talking about, my biggest challenge probably was just getting getting cut things. I mean, even like, I think one reason when you brought it up, like why I don't talk about it or why it's kind of like talking like it's no reasons because even like it sends me still kind of embarrassed about it which I know there's no reason to but obviously no one likes being told they're not good enough or anything like that and so I think that was one reason that's one challenge that hit me that kind of really stuck with me and cut me deep was just like nah you know I am good enough and I know I'm good enough and I know that even if you might not see it now that that you're gonna see it and so that was one thing that really kind of pushed me yeah it's one thing that really kind of pushed me to just work harder as opposed to just giving up type of thing. So I would say that was probably the biggest challenge. I mean, yeah, but that was, I mean, cause even you look at injuries and stuff like, like for me personally, I know yours are more, yours are more severe than mine. And I've had friends that have way more severe than mine. And so the injuries, those weren't necessarily as hard for me. Cause I mean, I was lucky enough and that was kind of, I knew I'd come back from those with that same goal of just really getting, to prove to people that I am supposed to be here type yeah. of thing. Yeah. 100%, man. So, you know, with that same thought in mind, like, when people face challenges, why do you think that a lot of people fail and don't overcome those challenges, the, those adversities that they face in life? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me, because I was kind of like that growing up, I think the uh, some people are so, like, they just need reassurance from people. Or they just need, like, other people to put a stamp of approval on them. And I think some people just feed off of that, whether it's awards or whether it's just words of admiration or whether it's, you know, just anything simple as that. I think some people just feed on that so much that the second that stops coming, they just 
they don't have enough strength in themselves or enough will in themselves to to give themselves a pat on the back, to tell themselves that, you know, they are good enough because they're just so worried about what other people constantly think about. And so I think a lot of people fail because when other people stop recognizing them, they just think they're worthless at that point. And they just don't see, uh, I guess they just don't see it in themselves anymore. They're stuck in that fixed mindset where it's it's strictly based on other people's validations of them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market where they don't really have that true self-love and are able to offer themselves the motivation, the encouragement they need to just keep going. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I think you're right. That is why a lot of people fail. And I think in both of our situations, that's what kept us going. And, and you know, why we both are kind of work well with each other because you know we've seen how in business it's not gonna be just all roses all the time like there are gonna be a lot of hard times that you just have to keep grinding it out that's the only way like what are you gonna do quit like you quit then you're done then everyone else is right so (laughs) you know for me I'm doing it to not any not to prove other people wrong anymore although maybe there's still a little bit of that in there yeah, you yeah know? a little bit of that but mostly to prove myself right because mm-hmm. i know that i'm right and i know that i'm doing the right thing and i know that you know i'm i'm just not going to stop i'm just going to keep going and you know that's the only thing you can do so next question what does success then mean to you? And how will you know when you've achieved it? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, top of my head, I think success means to you is just, um, I think it's just being content with what you do every day and just being happy with it. And then I think most of the other stuff will come. Just I know that's very vague, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you're waking up and you thoroughly enjoy what you're doing at the end of the day and you have a roof over your head and you got loved ones around you, I really don't think there's there's much else you need. I mean, I don't think success has a price tag. I mean, even though, you know, <laughs> everyone likes nice things and get fixated on that, I really think it's just, yeah, I think it's what it means to me. I can't say what I think that's what everyone should feel like because, I mean, everyone has different views of success. But for me, I think that's the main thing is just waking up each and every day. Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Am I... Not only enjoying what I'm doing, but am I leaving, you know, like leaving a lasting impact? Am I, am I affecting other people's lives for the better? And I think that's one reason why I like coaching so much. And I think that's also one reason why, you know, I'm the whole criminal justice rat is I think that, I think that we're all here on this earth. And I think that we just need to make sure that we're, you know, just leaving it a better place. Most importantly, I think we're just helping each other and helping the young ones and just, Helping people be better than than we were, you know, helping 
people that whether they were in similar situations or they're in better situations or worse situations, just just making sure that everybody has everyone has like a good chance at, you know, being successful. So then they can have their own definition of being successful. But but yeah, for me I would just say it's waking up every day, you know, loving what I'm doing, being happy and then just surrounding myself with people that are like minded like that. Absolutely. You know, I think that's one of the most difficult things for people to understand is success is not a destination, but it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And Sean you know, with another quote. Ah, just throwing those nuggets <laughs> in there, man. But you know, it's true. Like it's it's you know, I don't know. It's it's hard because of course I want to get to a point where I'm financially free. I'm comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. but as soon as you start thinking about the destination, there's always going to be one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you think of success as a destination, you will never be happy. And so success needs to be viewed as the journey. And if you're happy with what you're doing every day and if you're continuously trying to make yourself the best version of yourself every day, that's success, man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You you pulling out some quotes oh, here? I'm pulling out a quote. You, yeah, I got a challenge. <laughs> I have one that I really like that I think kind of sums it up. But I got to, you know, I got to look it up so I find it so I get it just right so I don't get ripped up for it. Okay. <laughs> we'll give you some time. All right, there we go. All right, so yeah, it's basically... It's um it's an old Greek proverb and it basically it's one that I I saw a little while back on like a TV show and it's just something that kind of really stuck with me and it just says like a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. Say that again. <laughs> a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. I've heard that one too. Yeah, it's I mean I think one. and I think we're in the business of that. You know, I think at the end of the day like you said we're here to produce these players make them go to the highest level but I mean if you honestly ask any good coach what they're doing it for any good person at the end of the day it's just making sure that like these kids you know are growing up with the right right morals and the right just understanding on life and I think that's one thing that probably like 90% of the coaches I've ever had had always tried to instill in us and so I think that's something that you know is just a big part of it too absolutely and you know obviously like us as coaches, like we get frustrated at times, extremely frustrated at other times. But when you see our frustration, I'm never going to yell at a kid if they make a mistake, if they take a bad touch or if they misplace a pass. When I get frustrated, it's from a lack of effort or a lapse in concentration. Both those things are controllable. Mm-hmm. So all I'm asking is that they focus on the things that they can control. And so my frustration arises from moments where I know that they can be giving me more than what they are. I want them to be their best. And if they're not giving me their best, then they're only hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. And that where that is where, for me as a coach, I find the most frustration. You know, I know we're kind of getting a little bit off topic of the question, but you know, just going back to what you said with us focusing on providing 
the next generation their opportunities like success is 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 not it's not for us it's for them and whenever you're able to give other people those opportunities you know things the success is just it's 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 part of the process mm-hmm. and you know like i said before it is the journey and you know we want to continue to show our athletes the people that we work with that as long as they're giving their best as long as they're trying to make their best better then that is success yeah so we'll move on from that who has been your biggest inspiration player or coach in the soccer world yeah i have two in terms of players and it's kind of similar one of them is my best friend preston who you've met he um growing up it was i played on the same rec team as him growing up and then his dad funny enough was the one who really tried to get me to go club at a young age but my parents didn't want me to because commitment level and everything but preston was probably one of the best players i've ever seen play at like a young like, like a young age and so but he was unlucky enough to he was a really good player, way too probably way too fast for his body. And so he was, you know, like all like one of the top players to watch in the nation at a young age. I forgot quote me on this, but it was I think it was seventh grade, something like that, tore his ACL, then he came back. Then his sophomore year he was getting back to where he was and he tore his other ACL. And so then that was the first time I kinda saw like one of my like not only like one of my close friends and brothers, but I saw someone that like really loved the game and it got like taken away from him. And so I think that inspired me in the sense of that, like, I'm still able to play it. So if I'm not giving my all, kind of like I said earlier, if I'm not get about people, like, taking advantage of practice, like, if I'm not giving my all, then, I mean, he'd probably kill me if he saw that. Like, not kill yeah. me, but he would be very upset yeah, with me because yeah. he'd love to swap places, and even if it was just for, like, a practice or, like, right. a couple minutes. And so then there's another one with Gabe, whose story is nuts. I'm probably going to have him on here at some point, right. but... We'll but in, yeah, in a nutshell, it's like, man, just like, I think he broke his leg a couple times, had cancer, and I'm saying this like it's nothing because, I mean, I think when he, when you talk to him, he's the type of person that says it like it's nothing as well, like he won't even bring it up, and he's one of the people that I've seen just life kind of hit him over and over and over again, just hard as it could, and he just still always had a smile on his face, still always worked hard, still was playing every game of WT, still was killing it, and then... You know, now he's coaching as well. He's got some girls teams up in the area, and he's doing very well. But he's just, he was probably the biggest one for me just because I've never seen someone get just, like, life hit him so hard two, three, four times, even stuff I'm not going to mention, just many things. And he just still had the drive and the determination to just always come back and not, like, I mean, if you there, there's a person that could look at life and just be like, man, life is out to get me, and like this just isn't for me, yeah. and just like quit on soccer and just kind of just focus on whatever, it would be him. But with that being said, it's that I don't think that's ever crossed his mind at all. Yeah. Like at all, he's still the most positive person, most caring person. Will do anything for another person. Doesn't care if you do anything for him. And so I think just seeing him go through all those things and not even blink an eye or not even think about giving up was another thing for me. It's like, it's like I'm going through these things that they might stink at the time, but if I look at what he's been through, it's like, man, that isn't even, like, close to that. Right. So why am I even considering this right now? Like, yeah. Yeah, man, that is... So I would, I would say those are probably the two biggest ones for me. I love it, Players, man. Yeah. So, looking back on your whole life, 
uh, as a soccer player, as a person, what do you wish you would have known when you first started? And, mm-hmm. Or, you know, what piece of advice would you have given yourself to your younger you? Oh, man. Probably, um, I think I still hit it now, but kind of what I said when I think people fail about the reassurance and needing, like, words from other people, I think I would kind of tell myself that stuff doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. I mean, there's obviously there's times where it does matter in terms of, like, getting on a team and all this stuff and that stuff, but it's something that you shouldn't have to, you know, make your whole world evolve around. I think that's one thing that I did a lot at a young age and I still struggle with now. It's kind of like that. But I always make a joke with my parents about, like, if I could go back in time, the one thing I would tell them, I just wish I kind of started, like, playing at a higher level at a younger age. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad, like, I love how everything worked out now, but it's always it's always interesting to think about, like, what could have been. And so... So one, even like with you asking me that, me telling you that, I think that's one reason why these kids that we do have signed up at a young age, that their parents are putting them in there. I think that's why, I know you do and I know the other coaches do, but me personally, that's why I really try and, you know, be the best person, best coach I can be, really try and figure out what works for them, what doesn't work for them, because they are in the position at a young age to where they need to be and that we know they're in a good position to learn and stuff and so oh and they yeah. don't even know it man that's exactly. what's crazy to me mm-hmm. is these kids don't even understand the 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 opportunity they have yeah. not only just to be playing at a high a high level and and you know have the opportunity to you know compete in the club scene but just to be given the type of education and and the care and the the guidance that we're providing them it's mm-hmm. un, it's it's just unheard of man and especially at their age like they literally have the opportunity to be world class players mm-hmm. and i'm not even just saying that you know just just blowing smoke like that is a real thing if they really want it but the unfortunate side of it is that most of them almost all of them take advantage of the amazing opportunity that they're they're being given right now and this isn't all on us their parents are putting them in this position first and foremost Mm -hmm. by agreeing to pay for it Right, yeah. we're a club. We have expenses. We have to, you know, we have to eat just like anybody else, mm-hmm. and so we have to charge. Eventually, we would like to make our academy fully free, to where we literally can take any player from any background, regardless of their financial situation. We're just not in that position yet. Yeah. So these kids have an amazing opportunity because of the commitment that their parents have made first and foremost then that the next step is the amazing level of education that we're providing them and the platform that we're giving them to become the best that they can be and most of them take advantage of that and the reason why they won't succeed is because of that reason Mm -hmm. right there if they were fully bought in 100 percent the potential would be limitless. Yeah. There would be no ceilings mm-hmm. on what they can yeah. achieve. But, you know, all we can do is our best yeah. and hopefully bring the best out in them. And, and, it'll, and it'll click with most of them. It, eventually, it, it's just... Eventually. Yeah, it is just, yeah, it is. It's 
sports are weird for kids. <laughs> it is. It's just, yeah, I mean, we see, it's crazy as coaches and as, like, parents and stuff because you see this enormous potential and it's just, it's like, man, I just, the second that they see it is when it's really gonna, you know, when it's really gonna click. And so it's just, I feel like one thing that, that I think the really good coaches have out there is just the ability to kind of get that to click in kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, I mean, I think that's something we're getting close to. I mean, I think that's something that that a coach can't only bring to them. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're here right now working hard is good and all. But like you said, it's the second that it clicks for them and the second that they fully realize their true potential and that if they really do love this, that they're at a good point in their life where if they work really, really hard at it right now and they're doing the things they need to do and they're taking care of the other stuff, that this can be their job eventually. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is like their school, and I think some of them get that. It's just a matter of, you know, getting it to as many kids as we can. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, before we wrap up, what is just one thing that you'd like for people to take away from this this whole episode, from, from the message that you have shared with everyone? Mm. Man, sorry. I know, I'm kind of putting, <laughs> you, putting you on the uh, seat. Well, I would say two things. I would say just... um just obviously just like making sure that you're your biggest fan first and foremost and that you are um you just have your own back because I mean other people depending on how you grow up you're gonna have friends family that love you you might not but the most important thing is that you're truly there for yourself and that you truly believe in yourself and that you are doing the right things for yourself to help get to where you want to be and then, yeah, I mean, then even like right now, just talking about this, like I'm just thinking about how much I've learned in this. And I'm just, I think one reason why I like coaching so much is because I know I just have just such a long way to go. Like, I think it's one of those professions, like somewhere it's like, there's really no, there's really no top. There's no pinnacle of it. And I mean, I think even if you ask, like, if you were to ask like the top coaches in the world or even in the area, blah, blah, it's just like that there's always more to learn. There's always more to grow. And I think that I think that's one reason why I really enjoy doing this for a living is because it's really nice because obviously I'm helping coach these kids, but in a sense they're coaching me too because I'm having to adapt, I'm having to learn, I'm having to come up with new ideas, I'm having to figure out what works with certain people, what doesn't work with certain people. So I'm always having to be on my toes. I'm always having to, you know, work hard. It brings emotion out of you. You know, it makes you really happy, makes you really sad at times. And I think that in a lot of jobs and a lot of other things, you don't really get all those emotions and you do kind of get like stuck and I think that coaching is a nice area because it's you know it's just something that is always evolving and it's something where you know you're leaving lasting impact and so yeah I would just say just like the fact that I'm excited a little scared but I think it's really cool you know the position that we're in and I'm trying to take full advantage of it I think what you're trying to say basically is that coaching is a parallel to life you know there is no there is no pinnacle of success in air quotes to life. Yeah. You have to keep growing and it's all part of that journey mm-hmm. and, and coaching is, you know, a perfect reflection of that. So, Evan, it's been a great time, man. <laughs> We've been talking for almost an hour and a half. Yeah. I really appreciate you doing this with me. Hopefully this is you know, one of many that we will have together. For sure. Uh, we'll definitely do more in the future. I think we're only just getting started. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, before we send people off, can you just let the people know how they can get in touch with you, how they can get, you know, follow Footy Factory's journey a little bit more, um, and and really just stay connected with what we're trying to do. Yeah, so on social media, for the top of my head, I think uh, pretty obvious, it's just like Footy Fact at Footy Factory on Twitter, and then at Footy Factory on Instagram, that type of thing, you know, pretty straightforward. And then for me personally, my Instagram, it's just all lowercase, no spaces, nothing. It's just Evan Bozeman. So E-V-A-N-B-O-Z-M-A-N. That's that on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I don't know what else. All the, all <laughs> Facebook, the, all the socials. All the socials. All the socials, yeah. Follow MySpace. Me. Yeah, we still have the MySpace. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're still not in the top 10. But Big time. You're getting close. Big time. <laughs> Well, Evan Bozeman, it's been real, my man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening in. We'll catch you next time. Peace.